Hello and welcome to Climb's podcast series, Advancing Vietnam, with me, Vlad Savin, as your host. Throughout the following episodes, we're looking to answering relevant questions about doing business in Vietnam. What are the opportunities and challenges faced by investors entering the market or existing players in major industries? We will seek to understand the business environment from a cultural, local mindset and how to deal with compliance from an international perspective. What are the major risks faced by uh, businesses active in the region and how to overcome them? We will dive deep into the compliance environment in Vietnam, discussing processes and procedures, changes in laws, latest official updates from the authorities and financial governance planning for businesses active in Vietnam. We at the client consider compliance a major asset for foreign investors operating in Vietnam. We emphasize this aspect when speaking with our clients and we make sure they understand the significant benefits of being compliant. In this episode, I'm discussing with Matthew Lowry, managing partner at Acclaim Vietnam, about the ways corporations and individuals doing business and working in Vietnam can repatriate funds abroad in a compliant and tax-efficient manner, looking at dividends, capital gains, salaries, and other types of income from various revenue sources. Matthew, welcome to our 15th episode of Advancing Vietnam podcast series, and I'm really excited to discuss this topic today as this is a matter often misunderstood by investors and foreign individuals who most often than not have skewed and unclear perceptions on the processes and procedures involved in uh, repatriating funds from Vietnam. Yeah, thank you, Vlad. Yeah, it's, uh, it's an interesting topic. It is misunderstood. Um, it scares people. And uh, let's hope we can clarify some of the, um, some of the, the realities today. Let's move ahead. Matthew, let's start first with the generic questions as usual, and then we will look into more depth in each of these cases. What are the most common ways investors in Vietnam can repatriate funds back to their home country, looking at revenue sources primarily? Yeah, so you got to look at it in two different ways. One is corporate investor and one is the individual. So a corporate investor, you can repatriate loans if you bring loans into the country. You can repatriate um, your capital and profits from capital if you sell a business or wind up a business you've got dividends, you've got service fees. So you've got those four main categories for a company. When it comes to an individual, you can repatriate funds that are brought in yourself in a legal process. You can repatriate salaries and any other source that you've paid tax on and can show um, the clarity of, of earning and ownership, such as rental income, et cetera, dividends. You've got to do all of these through the correct process though. It's not just I've paid tax, I can repatriate and there is also the interaction with the banks. So we can talk about some of those things as we go through the podcast, but that's sort of the categories and how I would describe them to start with. The repatriation of profits through dividend payments is an important element to any foreign investment in Vietnam. The good news is that the process is not overly complicated, provided that the appropriate ongoing compliance procedures are undertaken by a company during their operations. When can companies in Vietnam uh, declare and pay dividends and what is the taxation level? So for foreign investors, you've got to think about, think a line, along the lines of you've got one chance per year to pay a dividend. Um, you can only declare a dividend where you are and you've had a profit in the most completed year. So it's got to be as a result of a profit year and you must have retained profits. So they're the two requirements. At that point, it's a matter of declaration. You make the declaration and you can repatriate the profits. So the, the key things, if you've made a loss or if you have retained losses you haven't covered, then you can't make that declaration. And the taxation level for the dividends? Okay, so taxation is, it's interesting the process where you, you declare um, the dividend, you notify the tax authorities, and they've got seven days to, st um, to, 
to object your, to your dividend being repatriated. And that objection is that you haven't met all your tax obligations, that you're either in dispute or late lodgement or issue. So it's up to the tax office to say, no, we don't believe you're compliant. If you are compliant, you can repatriate the funds. From a taxation withholding, there is no withholding on taxes paid to a corporate shareholder. There is a 5% to be withheld by the company declaring the dividend to an individual. And that's a domestic or foreign, it doesn't make any difference. So a corporate shareholder, domestic or foreign, has 0% withholding tax and 5% for the individual, domestic or foreign. Right, and going back to the process, what's the overall procedure for remitting these dividends considering the underlying requirements uh, that you mentioned so before? The practical answer is, and sort of following on, is that notifying your bank and notifying the tax office, each bank has a subtly different way of what they require to show that the declaration is valid, because they're gonna be the ones, if they let money go, they're gonna be ones in trouble. So you'll find this a consistent theme through this podcast is your bank is integral to the process. So in most cases, we would advise, for our clients, would advise the bank of the declaration, and they would have other forms or other requirements to get things ready. We notify the tax authorities. Seven days later, if the tax authorities have not objected, i.e. you're in good standing with the tax office, the bank would then automatically be able to send the funds out because you've had a number of days to meet their requirements. And that's it, that's, that, is the, that is the process. And as you said earlier, it's not as hard as people think. People fear you can't get a dividend out. Yep. It's not that difficult. The authorities aren't trying to stop valid dividend payments. They are trying to stop ones that are do, don't meet the requirements, but the system's not there to object and have any implication for valid dividend payments. And you mentioned banks before. Are there any banking restraints or regulatory compliance issues which investors should be aware of before undertaking this dividend payout and what barriers they should expect in this process? So a company um, must pay dividends. So three things has to come through a particular account. So your capital account, and for most investors, that's a direct capital account operated by the company where dividends, loans, capital, the foreign interaction must go through the capital account. So that is an important thing to understand that if you don't have your capital account in good order or if you don't know if you have one, the bank's gonna have a very difficult time remitting those funds because that capital account is a state bank mandated bank account for, for, for valid foreign transactions in and out for capital dividends, um, dividends, loans and capital. There are some instances, minority shareholdings, where an individual or a company might have an indirect capital account where the money will go to the indirect and then they can send it back, but it will always go through a capital account to get it validly out of the country. So with the bank, that's why making sure that you have planned to make sure you, and you can't put money into a capital account unless the bank, um, the bank agrees and understands because it might have got to meet the purpose, very specified narrow purposes. Hence why I said this seven day interaction with the bank allows um, funding of the capital account, validity of the transactions and the ability to repatriate out. It's just a process because the bank is the policeman when it comes to money flows in and out. And they're the ones that the state bank investigates and the state bank puts the requirements on. So, so it really is about um, understanding the individual bank's specific requirements because they are the gatekeeper. You mentioned before about loans and service contracts. How can investors use these as tools to send capital into and out of Vietnam? And how can they make sure they are compliant in doing so? So loans, we could do a whole podcast just on loans. So I'll keep that brief. Um, if you bring loans in and you may, if generally you're looking at short-term loans for operating purposes, longer-term, medium-term loans for capital purposes and your investment license may dictate how much you can bring in, but bringing a short-term loan in less than 12 months um, if you bring that in for operating, 
you can repatriate that if it goes through that capital account. So a loan gives you flexibility if you use paid up capital, share capital, charter capital as it's called in Vietnam, um, that is fixed and it's much more difficult to do a capital reduction or repayment. A loan gives you flexibility in and out. So if you have a short term need, bring a loan in through the capital account, you can repatriate that as you need back through the capital account. So a short term loan is the most flexible, which has 12 months. You don't need to register that in most cases with the state bank, um, but that gives you the simplicity for money in and money out. Service contracts are simple, but also they have an have extra caution when it comes to compliance. So a service contract, an economic, economic contract for provision of, uh, of something between a foreign party, um, you can do that. But to, to pay those funds, you do have to pay withholding tax on the implied profit. There's a rate, usually it's a 10% rate. It uh, can be 20% for a non-resident individual, but it's only a 10% withholding. Um, you must pay that, you must to the tax office within 10 days of the transaction. Um, you must show evidence that the service is being performed. You must show evidence that it was a valid contract and that there was that you've got minutes of acceptance and delivery and you just got to show that it's economic. So from a tax point of view, you must pay withholding tax. You can The bank may have requirements, but you can only remit fairly easily for the services. The catch with, this, with that is the tax inspectors will go through and look at what did you get for that. So the fact that you can pay it off relatively easily with your withholding taxes, send it abroad, and keep in mind a 10% withholding tax, 5% VAT, 5% CIT versus a 20% corporate tax rate, there are benefits in sending money off via service contracts. The tax office do want to make sure they were economically appropriate and that they were real and not a fraudulent transaction. So you do have to have lots of um, paperwork to defend because they will be questioned. So the simplicity, don't, don't um, over, overestimate the um, compliance requirements behind them. What about the chartered capital of a company in Vietnam? Can it be repatriated? And what is the generic process to undertake capital repatriation? And how does this work, uh, especially for companies established in Vietnam under local nominees, so locally owned companies, which essentially are in comparison with foreign owned companies to different uh, structures from this uh, ownership perspective. Let me touch nominees in a moment, which is a dirty word and one we should not be using in Vietnam. I'll come back to that in a second. But generally, charter capital, share capital can be repatriated. Um, if you sell the company, you can send out your capital plus any profits back out. Um, the, the current process is actually that any transfer of ownership the seller must make sure the tax is paid. And when there's no known resident seller, so if two offshore parties, one sells, one buys, the Vietnamese company must ensure tax is paid. Still the seller's cost, but that it must, must pay, make sure the tax is paid on the profit. Most limited liability companies, that's 20% of the gain. So where tax is paid, the transfer can occur. And if the transfer can occur, then your funds can be repatriated. You sell your company, the funds can be repatriated. There is provision though, if the buyer and seller are both offshore, they can pay each other offshore for the difference and they don't have to bring the money in and out. But if they choose to bring the money in and out of Vietnam or the buying party is a local, the proceeds will go through that capital account we've mentioned and the investor can get the money back out with the profits through the capital account. It's not a hard process, but it does require tax compliance and the transaction itself for the documentation can be more complicated to make sure that the DPI and the process for changing ownership is being followed. There's a few steps to go through, but sending the money off 
is not the hardest part. Capital account is key if, it's, if the money comes through Vietnam. There is one more thing, which is a capital reduction. So historically, these were sort of a no-no, just didn't exist. Under the law now, you can do a capital reduction. There are a bunch of requirements, but they are feasible. We do them from time to time. So a capital reduction, so if, if you had a relatively high charter capital for a particular license may have required it, like a real estate license required 900,000 US dollars uh, $900, in paid up capital to do real estate, to do serviced offices, Maybe with the new law, which has removed that requirement, you only need half the money. Therefore, you could do a capital reduction, repatriate that money back out through the capital account, back out to the investors. And that is something that we see regularly. So that, again, is just a process of um, getting the approvals, giving it to the bank. The bank would release that through the capital account. And what about the locally owned companies? Yeah. These generally don't have the direct capital yeah. account. How can they send money abroad? And that's the nominee situation. So there's no provision in Vietnamese law for nominees. In fact, there's a provision under the investment law that if they believe there is a nominee, there's potential ability for the authorities to, um, to contest or deal with those. Um, because locals don't have capital accounts. Local companies' money can't be repatriated because it is locally generated and there is um, currency and control restrictions. So if someone uses a local to start a company, a foreign individual, that money they bring in and give to the local can't be sent out, not legally. There are black, there are black market means that people do it, but legally you can't send that out. If they then chose to buy the company and put it in their name, which is a common approach we see, they've got to bring money in again to buy their own capital. And that money is stuck in the company, in the country. Um, theoretically, you've handed that to the other Vietnamese because they were the owner. And you've ended up bringing twice the money in. And only half of that can be sent out later when you, um, when you wish to um, sell the company or wind it up. Um, but um, the first lot of money you came in is local. And there is no provision for Vietnamese nationals for repatriating money, dividends or capital. They can deal with, a locally owned company can have a loan, a foreign loan, and they can have what's called a foreign loan account, which is a type of capital account just for loans, but they can't do dividends or share capital, charter capital. We've talked about corporates um, for a while. Um, let's move towards individuals. How can they repatriate their salaries or other sources of income generated uh, in Vietnam? For example, rental income or capital gains from some stock markets that they play on. Uh, what are the requirements so they um, they, they could inquire, uh, encounter in this process? So tax paid monies by an individual can be repatriated without restriction. Um, and that is the way the law is written. Now, there's a few extra things to deal with. One is the evidence the tax has been paid. So if you're in a rental property, you've got your tax declaration with the, author with the, with the tax office, um, your salary, it needs to be, um, you have a work permit, even though I don't think the law actually specifies that the banks are going to make sure that that is a requirement because they're going to be at risk. But also if you have a work permit, you can have any currency contract. You don't have to have Vietnam Dong. But that said, um, the bank is required, if it's validly earned and tax paid, required to convert it and send it. But the trick here is, this is from your account in Vietnam to your account abroad. If you're trying to send to a third party, the bank requires evidence that it's a legitimate cost, etc. And that's why people get frustrated. They go, but it's my money tax paid. The law is you can send money abroad to your personal bank account. You can bring money into Vietnam from yourself, from your own bank account to yourself, and send that back out. The trick is, like for example, if you're buying a property here, getting the rental income and then send the money out, you don't want to co-mingle. So if you bring money in, take it out of the bank account, somehow get it back in, is it the same money? It's different money. 
and the bank can't guarantee. So you've got to have an understanding with your bank about how they will treat the money coming in before you try to send it out, and also what requirements they have. Some banks you can do it online. There's a few that you can do online foreign repatriation to registered accounts. Most banks you have to fill in the form and go in. Some banks require fill in the form and show the evidence that was tax paid and that you were doing it properly. So, so the key part of it is, though, even though the law gives automatic right to do so, the bank's processes, and mentioned a few times bank, 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 the bank's processes will dictate how it happens. But ultimately, if you've got tax paid source in Vietnam, and you're sending to your own bank, your bank account in your own name abroad, then it's no issue. One last thing is we often see with expatriates um, about wanting joint accounts. They want joint accounts, I've always said joint accounts abroad, um, don't do joint accounts in Vietnam because, or even abroad, because you have to send from the account name to the account name the same. So if you've got a joint account in Vietnam and sending to a single account abroad or vice versa, you've got problems because you can't meet the requirements. So joint accounts are rare in Vietnam, very rare, and they cause more problems than they solve. So just individual accounts in individual names is the safest way to go. And the final question, in your experience, what are the most common or the most common misconception about transferring funds out of Vietnam? And how would you address this one so our listeners can gain more clarity on this process? Um, it's that you can't send money out or you have to use the black market. It's just only if you're doing incorrect activities, if you're not paying taxes, if you brought it in properly, yeah, you might have to use a black market, which is, is the most dangerous thing you can do. And um, you're living in hope and it's, you know, compliance, risk, all of those things. Um, that's the first thing is just that you can't. The other one I see is people are trying to use PayPal and Western Union and a lot of other and, and TransferWise, a lot of to bring money and play around where the answer is, you, you, it depends on your bank. The whole getting money in and out, you're subject to bank and the state bank and using third party vendors for moving money around, you, you've removed yourself from the bank being relationship. So if you bring money in by TransferWise, because you can, I want to send it out, my bank can't verify that it came from my bank account to myself, therefore can I send it back? You've introduced a third party in the process. Okay, you might save a couple of dollars, but a standard bank fee is a fixed, generally a fixed fee and their exchange rates are often, okay, there are issues, but you can do it without a big cost. But the inability to repatriate and using trying to save a few dollars on the currency exchange can cost you a lot and cause you a lot of trouble because, as I said at the start of the way through, your bank relationship is the key. They are the gatekeeper, they are the interpreter of the law, and they are the ones that you must satisfy. So a third party vendor is a problem. Now the third party vendors can't send money out. So your Western Union, TransferWise, etc., as a general can't send money out because it must go through a, a regulated bank that is registered with the State Bank of Vietnam that follows the rules and is and is inspected and um, verified, but anything can come in. So getting money in is not a problem. Getting it out, but don't worry. It's, it's a matter of if it's tax paid source of money or it was brought in properly and you know what the bank needs, it'll go out easy. It's not a problem. And I've never had an issue getting funds in or out of Vietnam personally, and those who we advise don't have issues. Um, but we hear a lot of talk, pub talk, about people having a world of pain and it often starts with incorrect entry and incorrect perceptions that even if I bring it in properly, I'll never get it out, therefore I don't trust anyone. It's just not, not founded. Matthew, thanks again for sharing these uh, practical insights and I do hope that our listeners enjoyed this interesting topic and it is highly relevant for any investor, any individual operating and working in Vietnam. Uh, you're very welcome, Vlad, and hopefully you get your money out without any concerns as well. Hopefully so. 
Investors operating in Vietnam are able to repatriate funds under a compliant and structured process. However, extra care needs to be taken in regards to taxation compliance and all the connected elements such as source of income, banking procedures and government requirements. And many thanks to you, our listeners, for tuning in to Advancing Vietnam podcast series. For more information about this topic, please check out our publications on vietnam.acclaim.com. And if you want to reach out to us for any additional details, feel free to contact me on LinkedIn or throughout the website contact details. Mm-hmm.